All right, back here on Cody and Gold. Alex Gold, Cody Tapp, Nick Schwartz with you. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll head out to Surprise Arizona, have the general manager and vice president of baseball ops, J.J. Piccolo, join us. A couple weeks into spring training, a couple games into spring training. We'll check in with him momentarily. I did see, though, you know, the uh, Big 12 tournament's going to be in Kansas City, as we know, here in just a few weeks out at T-Mobile Center. It's always a fun time, and this year with how competitive the Big 12 is, it could actually be a really, really fascinating Big 12 tournament. Uh, even the Wednesday night games could be really fun based well, off of deep. how deep yeah. yeah, how deep the Big 12 is. And I saw that the Big 12, their new commissioner, Brett Yormark, who, of course, comes from... Uh, entertainment background? Entertainment background and Rock, yeah, Rock Nation and everything. They're going to have a little more entertainment options. They're going to have Shaq, Fat Joe, Jordan Sparks part of the tournament experience in Kansas City in the next couple of weeks. They're also just doing a bunch of new food items geared towards each school. So, for example, what do you think of the names of these? For K-State, the K-State Wabash, or Wabash Cannon Dog. Bacon wrap, jumbo hot B-minus. dog, topped with wildcat purple relish. Give me one more. Uh, another one. Which one? Which school? Give me Jayhawks. Jayhawks. It's going to be Jayhawks mac and cheese, pasta and creamy white cheese sauce topped with house smoked pulled pork, and their signature barbecue sauce and crispy fried onions. So they're just trying to, you know, they're trying to spice things up a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think that J- ought to drive do you, traffic? Do you, <laughs> <laughs> you think JJ's much of a foodie? I don't know. We're going to find out. J- JJ Piccolo, the general manager and VP of baseball operations for the Kansas City Royals, joins us here on Cody and Gold from Surprise, Arizona. I don't know if you caught any of that, JJ, but uh, are, you, are you adventurous when it comes to eating food, I guess? Are you trying new food items? Yeah, I, I pretty much eat anything, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not too picky. So whatever it is, I'm going to eat it. Yeah, so look, I'm not picky at all. Uh, yeah, I, I, so they they give me a hard time on the show because I'm probably one of the, the pickiest eaters out there when it comes to the uh, the, the condiments that are going to be on hot dogs and things will, like that. Will you at least convince him to try sushi once, JJ? Uh, uh, I mean, he should just he hasn't well, even tried. He's decided he doesn't like it. He hasn't even tried. You know what? That that is a food that it took me a long time to warm up to, but now that I've tried it, I enjoy it. And whenever guys are going to eat sushi, I'm in. So yeah, you may you may enjoy it. You surprise yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see. I, I wanted to before we even get into baseball to talk to you a little bit about the, the Super Bowl. I know it's been a couple of weeks, but the last time you were on the show, uh, you were with us on Radio Row, and obviously you were fired up for the Eagles and the Chiefs. You you got to go to the game, right? That what was your experience like at the Super Bowl? You know, it, it was awesome. You know, it was nothing like what I had imagined. I just thought it would be very corporate and not, not a real feeling of a, a home game in Arrowhead or a home game in Philadelphia, but it was the best of both worlds. I thought it was awesome. I mean, really from, I think I went into the stadium around, I don't know, 3.30-ish and just the energy was in the stadium and the crowd noise. I mean, every, every place, somebody's cheering, right? So it was pretty cool. It was a lot better than I anticipated. What's up? So I'm glad I got a chance to do it. What's the relationship like? Do you send Brett Veach a congratulations <laughs> text pretty quick? Yeah, you know what? I, I haven't, but uh, I'm sure he's gotten a, a bunch of them. <laughs> but, um, you know, I have spoken to a couple people that I'm friends with, with with the Chiefs. And, of course, everybody in the building here are Chiefs fans. So, congratulating everybody. Really good thing for the city. And what an unbelievable game. I mean, a game everybody's going to remember for a long time. You, of course, uh, as being part of the organization with the Royals, when, when the Royals won a championship in 2015, you, you know, as you said, what it means for the city and what it can do. Does that, you know, even seeing the Chiefs win two rings in the last four years, does that just add to the motivation that I'm sure already is there? But just does that add to it, knowing what this city is like when you have championship runs? 
Yeah, I, I think the the best thing is is for our players to see that. You know, just to see how it, you know, the winning energizes the city, and you know, just to picture themselves, you know, winning a championship and seeing how the Chiefs are treated and how much they're really endeared by the fan base. I think it, you know, strengthens that hunger. You know, this this can be us and will be us. So I think it's a great thing for everybody to see. Speaking of Royals general manager, J.J. Piccolo here on Cody and Gold, I think rightfully so, J.J., one of the biggest conversations has been, what's the new pitching staff going to do with all these young arms you guys have called up over the last couple of years? And will there be a tangible difference in the results as it relates to that? I feel like in hearing every pitcher talk, there's been a, a big discussion about it feels like they maybe less in their own head is the best way to describe it. Or, or, or do you just feel like there's less pressure on these guys? How do you think the young pitching staff is handling um, or the young pitching staff is handling the new coaching? Well, the, the feedback has been great. Just talking to the, the players individually. And, and for me, more importantly, talking to the coaches, you know, just asking, you know, what's the interactions like, are the players open to any suggestions? And, you know, the answer has been yes. And I think what we've got is, you know, three guys at the major league level with Brian, Zach, and Mitch that are all connecting themselves very well. The discussions that are happening post-workouts, post-games have been really good. But then the most important thing is really the interaction between them and the player and what type of feedback are you getting. And I think right now all the, all the pitchers feel like they're participating in their own development because it's not a one-way street, you know, sharing ideas, trying different pitches, um, you know, at some point, you know, Brian's going to have to make some decisions that, hey, look, we, we've tried a couple different things. This is the way you need to go. But at least in these early stages, they're not there yet. So it's just been a, a healthy environment of discussion and growth that I think they're all enjoying very much. I know one of the things they talked about is a catching. Are you guys going to fully commit to that that raise model, I guess, as it were, where aim for the middle, JJ? I know that sounds simple, but... Making it simple, is it going to go more like that if you guys are trying to throw more strikes like you've talked about? Well, every, every pitcher is a little bit different, so we have to keep that in mind. So, you know, a Zach Greinke is going to be different than a Dylan Coleman. So depending on the role and what their background is, what their, you know, what their actual command is like is going to dictate how much of that targeting down the middle uh, that we've discussed with the pitchers is going to take place. But we do have a, you know, a good group of guys with, with really good stuff that if they can get ahead, you know, strike one and then expand the zone from there, they're going to they're gonna have much more success than they've had in the past. So as simple as it sounds, and you just look at the research behind it, look at the data, you know, the average miss is anywhere from seven to nine inches. So if you're going to miss seven to nine inches, but you're trying to throw the ball down the middle, you're essentially pitching to the edges and you're getting out of the middle of the plate. So Logically, it makes sense, but then I think every pitcher is a little bit different. But I think by and large, I've seen it here for the first four or five games that catchers are in the middle, and we're doing a pretty good job. It still can be better and will get better. We're doing a pretty good job of getting ahead of counts and staying in counts than, than we did last year. Over in the outfield, we know, unfortunately, Drew Waters is going to be out for some time here with an oblique injury. How do you feel about your depth, though, there at center field? It feels like maybe it's being tested here due to the, the 68-week margin yeah. we're looking at. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good things happening, but there are those two injuries uh, between Drew Waters and Diego Hernandez has really hurt our depth. So we're, we're actively looking to, to add some depth right now. Uh, hopefully we can, we can pull that off sometime here in the next couple of days where we bring somebody in that can, can help us, you know, somebody has some experience, but um, that's been disappointing. I mean, with Drew, 
you know, having a pretty good September last year, competing for a spot on a team, it's kind of wiped him out of being on the opening day roster. And we want to be careful with Drew, too. He's really important to us throughout the entire year. And these obliques are tricky. You know, they, it's not one of those things where it's four to six weeks and you know it's four to six weeks. Some guys, it takes a little bit longer. But the trick here is not re-injuring it because if he re-injures it, now he's out until, you know, July or August. So we're going to go slow with Drew. We need him for the long haul, not the beginning of the season. And Diego, uh, you know, he's a young guy, played a little bit in double-A last year, maybe wasn't quite ready to play in the major leagues from an offensive standpoint, but at least we had the depth defensively that if he needed to be up, he could be up and go catch the ball. But, you know, he's going to be out for majority of the season with a torn labrum. So, that's been a that's been a tough blow to us, but um, you know that's our job. We got to continue to look how we can improve the team. In this case, we need to, to add some depth, and you know, I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to do it. You mentioned adding depth, but for for the time being, it seems like the the maybe the biggest benefactor individually from an unfortunate situation with injuries would be Kyle Isbell here. What have you seen already so far the first two weeks or so of camp? Yeah, well, Kyle, you know, defensively, we have a lot of confidence in being able to play the outfield and play it at a high level. Um, you know, really, you know, one of the, object- the main objectives this year was how do we get Kyle more bats? You know, he's been in the big leagues for parts of two years, hasn't gotten consistent bats to the- at bats to this point, but um, he clearly is somebody that's going to get at bats for us. Uh, first couple days, he was okay. Yesterday, he had a really good day. A couple walks, a single. Uh, looked really good. Hasn't been challenged defensively yet, but, um, you know, Kyle's somebody we're going to count on. He's going to get opportunity that he hasn't had before, and I think he's ready for it, and I think our staff feels like he's ready for it. I think people are always looking for the next names, even though this 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 team is so young, J.J. Can Michael Garcia, can he win the third base job by the end of the by the end of training camp? Now, Michael's been really impressive. Um, every year he seems to get a little bit better, a little bit stronger, uh, making harder contact. Defensively, he's, he's very good at shortstop, um, but he's versatile enough to play third base. You know, we're discussing right now and had a discussion with him with the way he's swinging the bat. We're going to take a look at him in the outfield just to see what it looks like. I don't know if he'll, how quickly he would get into games, but he's real athletic, and I don't think it's going to be a, a tough transition for him. But when you talk about depth, versatility helps that so if michael's able to play some third base play some outfield uh swing the bat like it looks like he's capable of doing uh he he is part of that depth so we want him to be as versatile as he can but the bat seems to be getting more real with each passing year he had a great year of winter ball again this year he loves playing you know he, you know knock on wood he's always managed to play a lot of games every year but um He's somebody we're going to count on. He's still in that, what I would call, young on the fringe of being a major leaguer, an everyday major leaguer. But, you know, the way he's looked the first couple of weeks at camp, you know, we're pretty excited about him. How tough are those? Like, because we all understand, like, spring training is like its own different animal, and you're trying to put it in this, like, small microchasm of, like, yes, it means something, but it can't mean everything. Like, how hard is it when a guy is hitting? Like, if you get through a season, you're like, oh, I can hit, like, 400 this spring. Are we, are we really not going to do this? And, like trying to balance that versus what you've seen for years, maybe in your system. Yeah. There's a history with all of these players and players do get better. I mean, Nate Eaton's a good example of that. If you would have told me going into spring training last year, that Nate Eaton would be in the major leagues in 22, I probably would have doubted it, but um, he continued to get better. Every level he went up, he kept improving, but there is a history that these players have that we have to recognize. So we can't, Uh, expect too much out of them. And we also know that it takes a little while to transition into becoming 
a legitimate major league player, even when you're there, it takes some time. Um, but it's a combination. You know, you can't get too high on what you see in spring training. Arizona is very offensive, so you can't get too critical of pitchers. I mean, a lot of balls that go up in the air end up being home runs that aren't going to be home runs in the regular season. Uh, breaking balls are harder to throw here, so we got to we got to temper uh, excitement or disappointment with the history of the player and what, what what changes have we seen that they're making and what direction are they moving in that will help us make a better evaluation than just what they do in the month of March. JJ, one thing we had talked about earlier this week was the news out of San Diego with the Padres and the huge deal that, of course, Manny Machado got. And it, it, looking at market size, as you know, that comes up all the time about spending and all that. Do you, do you have a reaction to what the what the Padres, I guess, what they've been able to do financially? Although I, I've, I've even said on this show right now, they don't have anything to show for it yet, but they certainly have gone out and spent money at a greater rate than most small market teams. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have a reaction because I need to worry about the Kansas City Royals and not the San Diego Padres or anybody else. I know what we're working with. I'm comfortable with it. Um, You know, we were constantly talking about not only player acquisition, but player retention. You know, strategically, what can we do? Uh, Whether it's, you know, keeping players long term, handling, getting the most out of players while they're here. We're always talking about those things. But, you know, our market size, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, if I, if I didn't like it, then I shouldn't have taken the job. I mean, you, you know what you're faced with. So what other teams do is really their business, and we need to worry about, you know, basically mow our own lawn. That's what we need to do <laughs> to take care of our own yard. So so that's what we'll continue to strive to do. Speaking of Royals general manager, J.J. Piccolo, I did want to ask you about a couple of the starters as we kind of get a little bit closer to the season. How comfortable are you or how confident, I guess, more are you that Brady Singer can repeat what he did last year? Uh, I don't have any reason to think he won't. Um, you know, I, I think he matured quite a bit. You know, he spent a lot of time trying to develop that third pitch. Brady always, you know, was in the strike zone, but his command seems to be getting better and better. His movement profile and his fastball is different than a lot of pitchers that you see in the game. So there's there's a lot of things that give us reason to believe he's going to be a really good pitcher for us. And we really, you know, from a mindset standpoint, we don't need Brady to try to do more. Just repeat what you did last year. And with the maturity and the experience he's going to gain, it will get better. But let's just, you know, do what you did last year. You ended on a really high note. And if you can repeat what you did last year, you're a really quality major league starter. And that's what we need out of Brady. Brady's starting today and, of course, one of many players you guys have that are going to participate in the World Baseball Classic here in the next week or so. How, does that give you more of an opportunity, I guess, to look at some other guys? Or how does that alter the, the next couple weeks of spring training for you? Uh, well, it definitely gives us more opportunity. <laughs> they're all going to be gone. No so choice. There's no doubt about yeah. that. But the other thing that we have just in our schedule, we have a bunch of split squads coming up. You know, We're playing that two two-game exhibition in Vegas while we have two games back here in Arizona. There's a split squad a couple days before that. So not only are the guys in camp going to get opportunity to play more and, and give us a chance to evaluate them more, uh, but even guys out of my early camp, you're going to start seeing names during that week when everybody's gone, WBC and split squads. You're going to see a lot of names you don't know that hopefully become household names down the road. So we look at it as an opportunity. You know, I think the WBC is a great thing for our game. Um, you know, I think any player that gets asked by any country to go play should be honored. And if they want to do it, go do it. Um, but on the backside, you know, it creates more opportunity for players to be seen uh, and, and to get the experience of pitching against, 
you know, or I'm sorry, hitting against major league pitching or pitching against major league hitters. It's a great experience for a young player. And, and, you know, we're, we're looking to roll them out here that week in particular when, when all those split squads are taking place. JJ, are you a Vegas guy? Or are you going to go up to the Las Vegas split squad? Nah, no, <laughs> I, 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 I happily volunteered not to go on that trip. I'll stay right here and surprise. So <laughs> uh, I think some of our players are excited about going it. Ironically, there's an off day uh, that Monday afterwards. So I wouldn't be surprised oh, wow. if some players right. spend their off day in Vegas and fly back on, on Monday night. But uh I'm not a Vegas guy, so I, I, I'll take surprise. <laughs> there you go. J.J. Ficola, Royals General Manager, Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations. Appreciate the time as always. Okay, guys. Thank you. There you go. That's J.J. Piccolo from Surprise, Arizona, joining us here on 610 Sports Radio. That Monday day off, that does work very well. Wow, nice I don't know. That's players, pretty convenient. Some of the players kind of like that. Let's go in Vegas and fly back. Obviously, one thing that that stood out at the beginning of our conversation there with JJ is that uh, acknowledging maybe within the next couple of days that they're going to look to add some depth at center field with multiple injuries right now at the center field spot. So we'll we'll keep an eye out for that. We'll see what direction maybe they head. And now it's like, okay, so who are the trade guys available? Who are the free agents available? That becomes part of the question because that in the the Michael Garcia is when you're like, okay, I'm Hmm. I'm I'm. Like both of those, right? You'd be like, I, I'm listening. Right. Who's a, you know, like, is that a viable option? And if they're kicking it around, if they're telling themselves, eh, let's see, right? Let's see if that guy might be available. Let's find out where there are. There are plenty of veteran outfielders who are around. So, I mean, I don't know if those are the guys they're going to target or if they're just going to look more via trade, but I mean, you can't blame them, right? Like, it makes sense that they would take a chance and find out whether or not somebody's available because they've had two major injuries at that, Diego Hernandez. And and I think, I was trying to think, there's like one more minor leaguer who maybe would have had it. Brewer Hicklin might have had a chance, but he's been injured this entire time. So it's just like, they're kind of stuck where they don't feel like they have enough outfield depth and they're probably going to have to do something there. I guess we'll find out the next couple of days. Maybe if they're able to get something done. Thanks again, JJ Piccolo, for joining us. We'll get to the trash of the day in a couple of minutes, but uh, we, we get these emails that are sent every day from offshore books, right? Not not your, your books Correct. that you can bet, but offshore books. We all get them. And one was intriguing yesterday because uh, we know with Chad Henney retiring, there's some question of the backup quarterback situation could be in Kansas City. And one of the emails we got was from Bet Online about where Carson Wentz, who was just released two days ago, I guess now, by the Washington Commanders, where could he end up? The favorite to land Carson Wentz. E? Chiefs at three to one. And of course, that is for a backup role. Um, wow. Carson Wentz, first and foremost, will not be starting anywhere in the NFL next year. So he has, well, to, decide. He has to decide, am I willing to take a backup gig in the NFL? Otherwise, he won't be playing in the NFL. The Most Chiefs, of the time, people take the backup gig. The Chiefs at three to ones, it makes sense to me, or any any veteran quarterback in the Chiefs high on the list makes sense. I know the Chiefs clearly like Shane Bouchelle. They've protected him on the roster for a reason. Otherwise, they wouldn't have wasted their time with that. I would really like a veteran backup with experience on this roster next year because we have seen in two postseason runs, Patrick Mahomes, whether it's a drive, whether it's a quarter, we have seen him be injured. And I want a guy that I know can execute the offense. I'm not so sure, at least maybe the Chiefs are. I'm not confident that Shane Bouchelle can go and step in in a divisional round game right now and do that. I would like to have a guy with starting experience. So I agree with all of that, except I don't want it to be Wentz. Anyone okay, but that's Wentz. fine. It doesn't have to be Wentz. Give me he, James Winston. He has the worst reputation for being not a team player, right. not a good teammate, uh, arrogant. Like all the things you're like, 
you're about to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. You're going to have to swallow some pride. Yep. Now, look, He's backing up Patrick Mahomes forever. is the biggest, like, you got no chance. Like, to me, Carson Wentz is never going to choose here because his entire history tells you he's going to go be a backup for a quarterback he think he can beat. He's going to go be or, a backup, and he's going to um, be like, I'm going to beat out Daniel Jones. Doesn't matter where he goes. He's going to tell himself, I'm better than that guy, or I'm going to prove I'm better than that guy. He's got no chance to do or that he, or under he, Patrick Mahomes. Or he does what Mitchell Trubisky did, where he ended up starting for whatever reason a game or played series and ended up getting a starting gig for a chance in Pittsburgh the very next time. Now, Mitchell Trubisky, of course, lost the job again to Kenny Pickett, but he was sure given, he, he was given an opportunity. If I'm Carson Wentz, so to your point, Arizona. That's where, I mean, if we're just talking about Carson Wentz. You're going to start eight games. Or more. Yeah, or more. Depending on how long Kyler's um, out. That would be intriguing. Because Carson Wentz, you go start eight games in Arizona and somehow you look decent. That's your only path to becoming a starter again. I don't know if he'll ever get that opportunity, but that's your path. Um, but I, a Carson Wentz, a Jameis Winston, a Baker Mayfield, anybody with starting experience as a backup, I would be very much interested. Got to pay a little bit more for a backup role. That's fine. Chad Henney's retiring. I'm not confident that Shane Bouchelle can just be my backup quarterback next year. I was trying to. Last year, you wanted to kick Chad yeah. Henning to the curb. Yeah. Chad Henning stepped up again in this postseason. I want to know. I've that. had a year of retrospection. Okay. You know, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that I'm so quick to Someone just says, go to Shane Bouchelle. But... Would you even want Mitchell Trubisky? As yeah, a fine. Now, that might be weird because of the whole. Matt re- Nagy thing. Well, Matt, that for sure. Matt and... Nagy got. Mitchell Trubisky to the playoffs twice, though. So, but I think yeah. Matt, so if anyone believes in him, it's probably him. The yeah. Matt Nagy thing, but also the, just the draft thing, like the jokes that are, have been out there for a while about Trubisky and yeah. trading. Like, I just don't know if he wants Look, to put just, himself in that. Spot. Just go if you don't want Shane Bouchelle, because if it's not Bouchelle, don't go find some other just like no. guy who's never played in the NFL. Either get the former, either go get Baker or Jameis. Not Wentz. Again, not Wentz. I'm not. He is the one of all the veterans available who might be backup quarterbacks in the future. He is at the bottom. He, every stop he's made, he gets fired from his job and everyone's like, that guy sucked. Yeah, but he was brought every place. It's like, I'm not interested. Yeah, he's going to start. I maxed like two games, hopefully. Hopefully zero. Also, in all those instances, he was brought in to compete for a starting job. He would know right away that he's not starting in Kansas City. So I think maybe his mindset would be different. We'll see how it plays out. I, 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 I thought people mentioned Marcus. These last couple of years have been pretty humbling. People are mentioning Marcus Mariota. Of also course, fine. Mariota, Winston would be the, those would probably be two or three of the top. Yeah, names. you're just, you're judging wins based off his inability to be a good starting quarterback. I, I'm just. No, I, and teammate. No, I want to reiterate. <laughs> I want to reiterate. They're not bringing him in for a quarterback competition, Cody. I got to be honest. You to understand breaking that. news <laughs> out there, there. He will not be competing. I, I got to be honest here, though. The guy who has never been a good teammate, I don't think he's just going to be like, you know what? He just woke up this morning, stretched. He's like, ugh. What do you guys think happened? I'm going to be a good teammate today. What I decided being a backup him? is cool. My ego is gone. Because 2017, he was a, an MVP. He was the MVP front yes, runner. For nine weeks or whatever it was. Before yeah. he got injured. And now he just sucks ass. So, like, what happened? You know what's weird is like his statistical trying? year in his full statistical year in Indianapolis wasn't horrid to look at. Like he finished with like a reasonable number, like twenty-seven touchdowns, seven picks, and thirty-five hundred yards. A lot of teams start those statistics pretty consistently. I just think he's. I think if you put him in the right spot, he'd probably be like below average. He'd be like the twentieth best. He wouldn't be any worse of a starter than Marcus Mariota was last year but everyone's always going to look to replace you. And I imagine after a while, Nick, that sucks. I imagine being the starting, being the 20th starting quarterback sucks 
Being the 30th means you know you're getting replaced. Being the top 10 means you know you're not getting replaced. Being the 20th is like, yeah, you're going to start here, but we hate you. And we're going to let you know that we hate you. And we would like someone better than you. That's probably a tough thing to show up to work every day and feel that exact, like that every team who picks you feels that exact same way. All right, let's get to the trash. Trash of the day. Trash of the day. Now, you're the only one with kids, so, I mean, I, I don't know what crazy stuff your kids have done to maybe destroy the home. That we know of. <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> so, this goes to Pennsylvania. Like 20 years. A TikToker went ahead in a nine-second video, showed what he did to his parents' kitchen. And the kitchen is completely covered in creamy peanut butter as a couple of jars okay, that's sit disgusting. in the sink. 28 pounds of peanut butter cover the kitchen. I'm talking the cabinets, the entire kitchen coated in peanut butter. He couldn't have even used Chunky. No, like, well, come creamy, on. The creamy spread easier probably, that's why. Yeah, but the creamy, the creamy always spreads easier, video, but it's worth it for the crunch. The video has 39 million views. He's Nick. deleting his Twitter account off of his phone immediately. As a matter of fact, as a parent, he's taking down that tweet or that TikTok. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. You're going to cover what's, my kitchen hey, in peanut butter. What's this guy's name? What's it, What's the dude's name that did it? Uh, Corbin Millet. Mr. Corbin. Well, there's two. Yeah, there's Mr. two. Mr. Corbin. Or Corbin Millet. Yeah, there's God. two different ones. Either way, do you think that... You're trying to find out how many followers he has? Well, probably a lot more after he just had a video with 39 million views. Do you think he's getting a whole new well, kitchen for his parents? Well, if he got 39 parents. million views, I think he probably already had a lot of followers. 28 pounds of peanut butter also. What? How many jars is that, man? Is this what I have to look forward to? Just know that I'm... He has 190,000 followers. That's so not even that crazy. much. His parents better be getting a brand new kitchen because there's no chance you're getting that peanut butter smell or anything out of that kitchen ever. Unless you just rip out everything. It seems like a Bam Margera thing. Did you guys ever watch but the it's Bam Margera the show? Extreme. Yeah, he'd like hit his... Well, no, he wouldn't. He would do it. He would, do all kinds of stuff. He would pants. destroy the brought an alligator in the house. He would like <laughs> fill the entire house with like with like soap and bubbles. And then he would I'm sure he bought them the house and he would pay f- to get it fixed because he was making <laughs> million. million dollars a year, whatever. So is it acceptable if, if my kid fixes my anti- like, are you ever going to I'm dead serious. What if you would that peanut new- butter smell? Ever leave your house? Peanut butter. Ever. You peanut to, butter is a pleasant smell, though. You have to burn it to the ground. The, well, if they ripped out the cabinets and gutted the kitchen, the smell's sure. gone. If you gut the kitchen, the smell's gone. Which oh, I feel people, like you people, have people, to gut the kitchen. People died in homes and they gut the place. They don't smell dead bodies. Hey, the, the <laughs> peanut butter smell will go away if you gut the kitchen. But Which, you can't just clean. You're not cleaning the cabinets. To your point, you have to rip out the cabinets. Can't Which imagine. maybe they wanted a new kitchen anyway. And they said, son, why don't you just go get some followers on TikTok? Why don't yeah, you just wait, go Why don't you go butter? get 28 pounds of peanut butter real yeah. quick? <laughs> Slathered all over our kitchen cabinets. Yeah, it was their idea. What if someone- The worst part would be if your kid was like, they had like 100 followers and they did this and you're like, <laughs> what are you doing? You don't have anywhere close to the amount of followers to justify this action. Covering my entire kitchen in peanut butter. Oh, I'd be so mad. I'd be What's so worse? mad at my the kid. The cabinets is, someone said- they would have to be sanded down, ten thousand. Sanded down? No, you have to destroy those. No, you have to get. You have to, you have to destroy everything in that kitchen. It's gone. They had to have been planning on gutting the kitchen the next day or something, or a week away. There's no way. To not specify this in the article, but I would hope so. I would hope that that kid is buying his parents a new kitchen. He got attention out of it. That's all he cared about. And isn't that all that matters in this world? Attention. <laughs> Just get a little attention. Hmm. 
That's the trash of the day. Coming up next, we get to the Chiefs Red Half Hour. There's someone that's completely fed up. He's had enough with the NFL, and he gets to the bottom of what happened on Super Bowl Sunday. Chiefs Kingdom, this is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold, every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. All right, it is the Chiefs Red Half Hour, and it was just a couple Sundays ago where, other than the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, the big story around it was the turf, the playing surface. They spent $800,000 on the NFL did, and we know that uh, here in the last week or so, George Toma, the, the sod father, as he's called, is officially retired from the NFL, 94 years Kansas old. Kansas City legend. Absolutely. Well, now he said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to tell everybody what happened. I'm going to, I'm not holding You're back. Just burning bridges. I got, I got nothing. There's nothing to burn anymore. He's 94. I'm 94. I've retired. People know me as the sod father. People listen. So he was interviewed for a piece on ESPN and he opened up in a big way about what actually happened. He says that the issue with the field in Glendale could have been avoided. Number one. And he says it's because the field was overwatered. He says that the field, which goes on that movable tray, they bring it from the outside, they bring it back inside. He says that the field should have been watered in the morning and kept outside to dry not brought in. He said once they brought it in, it hadn't dried yet, and it started to rot. He said the field was rotting. He said it's it had a rotten smell. Now, I don't remember. We were on the field after the game. and it was Dude, weird. it was soft. It was pretty gross. It was definitely soft, and you could pull up the like, – it, yeah, it was, it was weird. Now, I don't know, rotting, That's I'll leave that up to the experts on whether it was actually watering. But he says, quote, says he, the field should have been watered in the morning, kept outside to dry before rolled in. So what he does, he's talking to Ed Mangan, who's the head of NFL fields, basically, right? He says he waters the hell out of it, puts it right in the stadium, that's it. Never sees sunlight again. He can't do that. He says a tarp was laid over the field to protect it from the halftime shows and others. He said he was told during the week the field was starting to decay and rot. It had a rotten smell. He also says that the field wasn't sanded enough. Quote, he sanded it two weeks too late. He had only one sanding. <laughs> he should have had two or three sandings, but he didn't do bleep. And that was it. And not only that, he didn't take care of it. He wouldn't listen to anybody. So he's just turf wars. Yeah, man. We have actual turf wars between the head of NFL fields and George Toma. You know, we're siding with here, right? Well, of course we're siding with George Toma. Also, the field was garbage. This is an easy decision on who to side with. Somebody did not do a good job on the field. It was trash. How is it even possible that when you have this amount of money on the line, this amount of experience on the line, there's still mistakes at this level being made? How is it even plausible? Has the NFL let this happen? Also, if the field can roll out, why not just take care? I know it's hot in Arizona. Why not just take care of it outside and let them rehearse on not the field? They're going to play the important billion-dollar NFL game. It sounds pretty simple. It's like if you... uh... Like if you wash something and you don't let it dry and you just put it in a closed bag, it's, it's gonna, gonna stink. It's gonna rot. It's gonna start getting moldy and musty. Like Let's put just, that to a test. Nick, like wash our, a shirt, just stick like, it in a Ziploc bag, and then tell us how it smells in a week. This is like junior high locker room and PE class where people didn't get that concept either, and their shirts would smell terrible because they'd be ro- they they just be full of sweat and they wouldn't take it home and wash it. Like it's yeah, obviously you got to make sure things dry out a little bit. We had to. People had would to. do the axe spray and try to cover up the smells. The worst. Oh, like, no, take P- it rotten, home. Rotting PE shirts, basically. That's, That's what they were. We all been I like the idea that George Thomas was in there. He's like, gross. What are you doing? This is gross. And, it's, and he's being nice. Like, he wouldn't listen to anybody. 
Like, Tone was out here being like, look, dude, this is going to go poorly. I'm telling you, that field was really bad. Like, yeah. it was noticeably bad. No, look, I don't want this to, like, I know it's going to turn into, like, a bunch of Eagles fans being like, see? Well, the Eagles fan conspiracy see? The Eagles fan conspiracy is that George Tomo with his ties to the Chiefs gave the Chiefs a heads up about the field. That's the crazy conspiracy okay. that's out there from Eagles fans. Honestly, they were playing in the exact same field. You know, easily can change cleats in the middle of the It's not like they don't have them there. If you want to switch cleats in the middle of the game, you can. No it, one's stopping you from doing stuff. Did it change the style of in which the game was played? Maybe. Maybe it did. But both teams were having to play with it, and one team adjusted a whole hell of a lot better. And Toma's right. They, like, Toma is right. Of course he's right. He's, like, if you have the nickname the Sod Father and you're still standing on a Super Bowl field at 94 years old, a few days before it is scheduled to be play on, and you're telling the guy it looks like S, I don't think that I'm going to judge that guy. You should have probably listened to him. He's been doing it for 80 years. Yeah, he retired. He said, I can't take it anymore. He hasn't been pleased with how the NFL responded to field issues at Super Bowl sites in the past. Me and the league are finished, Thomas said. They can't tell me what to do anymore. We're done. That's it. Good for him. Again, what do you have to do? There's nothing to lose anymore. Who cares? Are you going to be the, like, screw all of you guys old person? Everyone's a little bit I mean, different. I feel like Nick definitely if is. You're 94, if you're 94 and you're getting around as well as George Toma is, Say whatever the hell he you took, want. Remember, George Toma took care of our wiffle ball he field did, last he year. Did. He, he painted the lines, I believe. He did. Yeah, he was out there working on the mound a couple yeah, of days. He was down ahead there, of time. like he was on the grass, like he wasn't, like he was down there, like working on the field. So, yeah, no, he can say whatever the hell he wants. And I think anybody over the, I think what's the age? Like, I think if you get over eighty, is it eighty? Is that the number? I think eighty's good. I was gonna say like eighty-five or so. I think if you're eighty-five, you can say. Think you want to break this? What's want. the age in which you can just say whatever you want, except for racist stuff? Let's well, not well, let that slide. Okay, well, I didn't know anybody was thinking that, Cody. Well, you know, you get old enough. Okay. Some of those old, okay. some of those old habits die hard. You know, retirement age sixty-five. Sixty-five? <laughs> you're starting so early, Cody. You're you're getting up pretty soon, man. Pretty soon, twenty years. Sixty-five? Yep, twenty years away. A little bit further away from that. Also, you know I work in radio. I'm never going to retire. That's true. Uh, you're going to have to wait till way after 65 to retire. I'll be like, I'm going to be a Walmart greeter. Someone says, what do you mean when he gets old? Nick is already the screw all you guys guy. Nick already acts that way, according to the text line. That's a good point. We caught Nick eating and drinking on the job guys, again. I'm sorry. Sorry. Drinking on the job again, man. Drinking a Coke Zero. Just to clarify. Yeah, I was just saying you're drinking. You still got a little bit in your throat there. Well, when you say drinking on the job again. You were drinking on the job. We all drink on the job. You know, sometimes it's Coke Zero. I've largely been advocating for Fridays to turn into a party atmosphere on the show and the boss is out of town. So I think Club 610 is coming our way on Friday. I think we pour some booze. Let's invite some people. Who wants to come? Who is a regular on the show wants to come and drink with us on Friday? uh, Let's get in studio. Maybe I'll order that disco ball off of Amazon, like the one they had I, in Phoenix. I would invite Making a real party in here. I would invite Rob Collins. He's in Indianapolis. Uh, we have confirmed Aaron Ladd will be in studio okay. with us on Friday. Is he down for Club 610? I don't know. I'm sure Aaron Ladd is down for Club 610. <laughs> you said that. I'm was... sure Aaron's wow. down for Club 610. He's the young. He's one of the youngest people we have on this show. He's yeah, much he's younger a, than a, us. He's like 25. Yeah, he's 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 only a couple years out of college. Club 610. Hey, this is much younger than me. I won't give that us. to you, but hey, all of us. Yeah, 25, that's Someone says Nick will be long fired, fired long before 65. Yeah, I'm in. You're in? 
You're going to be fired? Sounds about right. How many times have you been fired in your life? Like where they sit down and say, like, don't come back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that version. Uh, I did uh, one time definitively. Another time I was kind of asking for it. I was done with the job. And I just sort of mailed. Sort of mail- These are all like college jobs or yeah, high school yeah, jobs. Yeah. And I kind of just stopped showing up. Well, that'll get you fired. And then they were like, hey, so like obviously you don't want to work anymore. So you don't work here anymore. And I said, okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. So you were like not really fired. Fi- you had kind of quit on yeah, them. Yeah, I, anyway. I quiet quit. I was quiet quitting. Basically, you told them that you're not firing me. I'm quitting. You kind of went with that too. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Interesting. I've never been fired. Somebody's trying right. to own me for drinking oh. Coke Zero on the text line. What so are they, Coke Zero, Coke's- more like trash. That's not someone, even witty, though. You someone's know, not a fan of of it, huh? Coke Zero. Is the nectar of the gods, sir. Somebody said I went woke. Do you know what I went woke about? Is that because I said it's sometimes old keep, people are racist? It's tough to keep track. It's when, it's when I think they're responding to the <laughs> Because they're responding to me saying sometimes really old people I get said, a little racist. I said when you turn 85, you can say whatever you want. And then you felt the need to clarify <laughs> and say, except for racist things. <laughs> that's if, going woke? That's, I'm just telling you what they. that's what they were. So the alternative to not being woke in this situation is let them say all the racist no, stuff think, they want? I think they're just saying that it, what the clarifier wasn't needed. It kind of goes without saying. Mm. I see. <laughs> That clarification was unnecessary. (laughs) We were all establishing that that was the case. Yeah. As far as George Tolma goes, the text line's correct. He is the ultimate get-off-my-lawn guy. I mean, truly. Literally. I like that he's finally... Like, honestly, it's pretty clear that this is like a decade in the making that Mm -hmm. he's wanted to trash the NFL for the way that they've handled the field, and he finally got his moment. Yeah, it's good for George Tolma. Uh, 913-586-7610. Of course, you can interact with us on the J Southland Toast Service text line. We are still taking applications. Someone asked for our internship. They said, does the Cody and Gold internship pay a living wage? It pays a wage. Yeah, it pays a wage. It is a, it's a part-time internship wage. Yep. I suggest you have... Do you have, you have a roommate? Do I you su- live at home with your parents? I suggest you either be in college or someone that has another job. Uh, this is an internship that used to not be paid at all. Does that make you feel better? Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> when you both were interns, were you paid? No, I got no. college credit. College credit. Is so you actually paid in a way, kind of, because it was college yeah, credit. I you got, actually paid to yeah. work here. That's right. So this is even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got college credit. We never got I clarification. Worked, and then I worked part-time right for college credit, so I think we can just yeah. take any interns. Yeah, it's a paid. It's a paid part-time gig. Odyssey Careers. Go to Kansas City. Search part-time promotion assistant. That's the internship for this show and for this station, for this summer. Late spring, early summer. You can do things like be in Club 610, disco balls and partying. Although, I guess you got to be over 21. And we can't make you drink, but we would prefer it. I didn't say that. <laughs> and this interview, that, the interview process is going to be really interesting. <laughs> I like how Nick, you're just like, I didn't say that. I want to make that the, very clear. The interview clear process is going to be. That, that was not something you had said on the air? Well, because I keep getting like sort of sidebarred to say like, hey, Nick, make sure you don't say this in the interview. I'm like, why are you looking at me? Why does everybody keep targeting me? Well, your reputation. You know. yeah. Like, yourself. Nick, you have to make sure you don't talk about people's kids. You have to make sure you don't talk about their weight. You have to make sure you don't talk about their age. I said, I wasn't planning on any You've of talked those about things. all those things related to me. That's why. You've talked about my kids and my weight and my age. Because that's allowed. <laughs> I'm allowed to say whatever I want to you. That's in my contract. <laughs> I don't think that that's accurate. Maybe I'm wrong here. Someone says, can a former intern come back and now get paid? Sure. Why not? We don't. We don't care. We again, make it through the interview process. Though. Not discriminatory. Yeah. And again, we're not allowed to. Mm-hmm. 
the oh, intern, yeah. someone said the intern could be your designated driver. That's a good Whatever point. happens, man. You drove Bob's car once. Yeah, not because of I had nothing to do with being no, a designated but but you driver. drove it. No, I drove Kling's, oh, Kling's car. car. Kling's Jeep at the time when I didn't have a driver's license. Did you not think to mention that when they gave you the keys? Here, put put yourself in my spot. Intern three days on the job, trying to get my opportunity with Fesco in the morning back in 2010, 11, something like that. And Josh is like, hey, you got to go pick up Bob. He can't get out of his driveway. This was the whole naked bloody man story we've yeah, told yeah. plenty of times on the air. And so I said, all right. He threw me the keys and I went. So Bob Had was you driven so Bob a car? Was, so yeah. Bob was nude and bloodied and you went and picked him a, up? I still had like a per- – what? No, Bob was <laughs> someone that was nude and bloody was at their house trying to break into their house. This was years ago. We've told this story. He, Bob's told the story on there multiple times. And did Bob restrain him physically? Well, the police came. And eventually he was able to pull Did out you of see the nude man? No, because of it, by the time I got there, they were starting to clear the scene a little bit. Uh, so Bob right. ended up driving on his own, and then I had to still drive Kling's car back. Barely had enough gas in it, Kling. <laughs> did you top it off? Hell no. That would have been the nice intern thing to no, do. We Put had five rush, bucks I had to in rush it. back to the studio. For what? You didn't for need to be there for the beginning of the show? Absolutely. You were the intern. You I didn't still- have to be there right when the show started. It got to a point when I was the intern, I was running the like the the board for the whole show and stuff. It got to a point further further into the internship. Versus. These are the kind of things that Nick's going to teach you: how to run the board for the full show, how to make sure the intro starts seamlessly and there's no no dead air or anything for the first four seconds of the show. That kind of stuff. Wow, really? You're going to call Nick out for four lousy seconds? I didn't. Okay, say well, it. okay, no, no, no. I'll remember that this moment. Thing. I'll remember this moment. <laughs> Don't ever mess up again. How about that? <laughs> Don't make a single mistake. Interns, man. We were all interns somewhere once. Mm-hmm. Now's your chance to come here. I've already pointed out, and I'm dead serious, it is a shocking amount of both current and former employees who were interns here first. Yep. It's like seven or eight different employees who were interns here first and then eventually gone into, like, you know, all the glory that you and I have. All the, the glory? Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Isn't that how you look at it? Absolutely. Your guy, Scott Kaxmar, who uh, I think you would. The biggest, one of the biggest Chiefs haters oh, yeah. out there. Every stat that that dude tweets out, man, has a negative slant towards the Chiefs. Well, it might be a backhanded compliment, but he gave a compliment. And I think it's important that we address that he's actually making a pretty decent point if you think about it. Somebody got offended because he compared this run by Patrick Mahomes to that of the 2016 LeBron run when they beat the 73 and nine warriors to the 2021 Giannis run, which was one of the more improbable ring runs in recent memory and said that Patrick Mahomes deserves to be on that exact same list as improbable Super Bowl runs. Now here's the thing. It is accurate from the, I don't think that everything was supposed to be in place this year, but once we got to the postseason. They were 14-3 and three with the league MVP. The playoff run itself doesn't seem all that improbable. If you say, what are the odds I thought he was going to win the MVP after they traded away Tyree Kill, after they had to change some things on offense, after they had to uh, you know, rely on so many rookies in defense, fine, we're having that. And because he had to make game-winning drive scrambles on his high ankle sprain, which you pointed out, okay. But I don't think it's one of the most improbable playoff runs in history. I just think if you put it in the season perspective, if I told you before the year this was going to be a 14-3 and three year with a Super Bowl title, 
then I'd start to believe you as in that wouldn't have tracked before the season occurred. Yeah, the Super Bowl and maybe the record, but the MVP stuff, I mean, there's a reason why so many people, not just because people were Chiefs fans, I mean, so many people bet on Mahomes to an MVP because actually what you said, which was he, had he, the did, story. he didn't have Tyreek Hill. The narrative was on his side, and you just felt confident that he's the best quarterback in football. And so that's why so many people, maybe they didn't bet on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, but they bet on Mahomes to win MVP based off of, uh, needing some narrative to work in your favor, and it certainly did based on all the offseason conversation about the AFC West, about losing Tyreek Hill. But, yeah, like improbable run, no, that's a little, that's far-fetched. That's, that's a little far-fetched as far as, like, I can't. You don't think this compares to LeBron beating the 73-9 and no, Warriors squad? No, no. If the Chiefs would have had the year in the regular season, everybody thought they would have, and they would have been a wild-card team. Yeah, finished 11 wins. Yeah, or, yeah, 10 or 11 wins and a wild-card team, Cody, and then ran through and went on the road throughout the whole postseason, and Mahomes still won it. Then we could start talking about improbable runs. But, no, they were, they were the number one seed in the AFC. They were, they were one of the best teams all season. Yeah, see, that's the part that I can't get past. They were the bye. They were the bye. They had every home game. They had the league's MVP. By the time the playoffs start, you can't – you can no longer make the argument. Like, you can just no longer make the argument that it wasn't expected. Like, I still get it. The Eagles were – like, the Eagles were the best team a good majority of the year, but their quarterback was still Jalen Hurts, who is a very good, maybe even great quarterback. I think we'll get that answer even more so next year. He played great in that Super Bowl, he by was the way. fantastic. But, like, we'll, we'll get the answer on where he ranks amongst the Pantheon, right? Someone might tell you he's the second-best quarterback in the NFL right now. Someone might tell you he's the seventh or eighth-best quarterback in the NFL right now. I think there's an argument on either side of that coin. He is on one of the most talented rosters in the NFL so it's one of those like hey prove it to me when everything isn't going your way his run is almost like I'm trying to think about like this year who was the most improbable team in the NFL you're like what was the team you're like this didn't make any sense and the AFC the Jags would have maybe been your best answer but they had the number one overall pick a couple of years ago they were kind of supposed to take the leap everyone else in the AFC was exactly what they were supposed to be Bills Bengals they're all great teams who won a bunch of games and won their division and were supposed to be in the middle of it and were the NFC side, there were, again, it wasn't a year of improbable runs. The Giants would have been the closest thing to it. Probably. That's probably it. Would, that would be my answer on the NFC side, the closest thing. I know they didn't make it to an NFC title game, but based on what they did during the regular season, nobody thought they were a playoff team. Daniel Jones was much better. I'll still point out that in the regular season, though, their Vegas over-under was like seven wins, eight wins. So, I mean, it, it's not as crazy as we think. Like, we were going through, like, the uh, – you know, the man, you know, the coach of the year stuff for the NFL. It's like, I want to give him credit because there is a little bit of truth to the, if you would put it in the purpose of the whole season, if you had told you, Alex, before the year, you'd be like, with this schedule, with the division, all this, he's going to finish 14-3, he's going to win MVP, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. Like, damn, did they trade for a star in the middle of the year? They did all of that? I wasn't anticipating this kind of year out of the Chiefs. No, I think our exact record prediction, I don't remember what number yours was. Mine was, I think, 12 if they needed the last game of the season and Mahomes to win MVP, but I didn't think they I were I went to 12 flat, but it was... I didn't think they were winning 14, and, and I didn't predict them to win the Super Bowl before the season. I think I had them losing in the Super Bowl, as a matter of fact, before the season. We all did our... We all did the same yeah. thing everybody does. Nick had him losing, I think, to the Bills in the AFC title game. That wasn't a crazy notion. One of those talented teams... Looked like they had caught up with Kansas City for a year. It just didn't end up mattering in the end because, well, someone brings up a fair Patrick point. Mahomes exists. Improbable playoff run when you only your total margin of defeat was what ten points all year. It's like so that's all. I know, yeah. Like I told you, like you could make an argument. You could probably make a stronger argument that this is one of the better 
like, remember, I told you, make the stronger argument this is one of the better teams of all time. Then you can, this was improbable. With Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be very hard to say improbable. They're going to have to suffer so many injuries. Like somebody pointing out Brock Purdy. The Niners, yeah. Yeah, that is, that, who, by the way, that still would have been not, an improbable playoff run. Still has not had surgery on that elbow, which is getting a little concerning. The inflammation's still too much that the, they can't even have surgery on his elbow to repair it. I'm a little nervous heading into my quarterback situation next year. If I'm the uh, if I'm the 49ers. All right, coming up next, we will get to what's trending here on Cody and Gold and something that Andy Reid said yesterday in Indianapolis in front of a bunch of reporters there in regards to the wide receiver position and what you can actually expect. Does that tell us how the Chiefs have to approach the next couple weeks? We'll tell you next. There's Kelsey to the end zone. Cody and Gold brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete for asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance. Gan Asphalt.